Hold them up. Say this with me out loud. This is my Bible. It's the living Word of God. has the power to change lives. And I declare by faith that my life and the life of those around me will be changed by the Word. All right. Go to the book of Acts. Go into a holding pattern. Now, um, if you haven't been with us, you don't know that we have been in a series. And uh, the series is called Plumb Line for the Future. And uh, if you weren't with us last week, it's really important you really should listen to that message because we're building a wall, stone by stone, plumbing that wall according to the Scriptures. <clears throat> so in Acts chapter 2, we're going to be reading, if you probably want to go to Acts chapter 2 and just go into a holding pattern, but um, we're talking about being plumb-lined and plumbed into the future, a foundation of truth. Now, last week I showed you a plumb line, and uh, it's a physical tool that uh, carpenters and construction workers and masons use. And when something is plumb-lined, it's perfectly vertical. And I shared with you last week that even though today, modern uh, construction, we have uh, uh, plumb rulers or bubble rulers, but this is the ancient version of a plumb line. And buildings and construction were built in ancient times according to plumb. And plumb means wherever you are on earth, if you take a weight like this, called a plumb bob, and you let it stop swinging, it'll end up being vertical no matter where you are on earth. You can go to the opposite side of the planet right now and hang a plumb bob, and it will point directly to the same place this is pointing to because it's pointing to the center of the earth. And so that's how you find something that is level and perfectly um, level in the sense that you can build and you can construct something safely and with meaning and purpose. So we'll put that over here right now. And um, what we're going to do is we're in a series now. It's a five-part series, one part last week. Today we're going to start part two. And um, the Bible talks about plumbing our lives according to the foundation of God's Word and what's happening in the world right now is plumb is blurred. When it comes to truth and what is truly level, the world has everything out of whack. Everything is completely out of plumb when it comes to truth. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly. Notice he uses the word circumspectly. That word literally means plumb-lined. If you look in the original language, it means to be plumbed. So listen to what Paul says. Speaking to the church, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, remembering the time, because the days are evil. So it's about being accurate and plumbed according to the truth. And these truths, even though Paul used that term plumb line 2,000 years ago, brothers, I want to say to you again, do not miss this men's conference next Saturday. I am begging you, brothers, to give up your excuse for not going. 
we, we have a gathering, media, if you give it to me, and it's a men's event, and this men's event is going to be from 8 in the morning, serving you breakfast. If you can't afford the $20 for this event, I've already said to you, I will pay for you. But you need to sign up because tomorrow morning I'm turning into the conference the names of everybody that's going to be there. Sisters, get him there. Brothers, we need you there. God is doing something in our community, and he's going to start with the men. And all the sisters said, Amen. okay. So in the process, we're talking about walking, as Paul said, plumbed according to the issues. 2,000 years ago, the church plumbed the course in God's word. And so uh, the Old Testament mentions 14 times that people at a point did everything that is right in their own eyes. Our culture right now is not following, obviously, the Scriptures. And everyone is deciding what's right and what's wrong in their own eyes. That means in their own opinion. In other words, everybody says, my opinion counts and God's opinion doesn't. And we see that taking place, unfortunately, even in the church. So many Christians uh, really, really are out of plumb. Not saying you, but they're out of plumb. They're not, not that they're not Christians, but they just aren't living according to what's perfectly level. And we talked about that last week. And so the ancients, I shared with you, plumbed structures. So let me show you a couple of pictures that I gave you last week just to fresh it up. So, that, so that even the ancients, I shared with you, they understood the value of a plumb line. They plumbed even the stars, calculated the movement of the stars. Next picture, please. So ancient, that's a, pictures of ancient discovery of plumb bobs. Keep going, please, Lydia. And so right here, between those two in a Roman sculpture, you can see a plumb bob. This is something that is existent in the ancient of days. And yet, today, we're talking about how we live our lives plumbed according to this. And so last week, I shared with you that there is a plumb line that we live by, and it's God's Word. God's Word is our plumb line. You build your life according to the Scriptures. And if you don't build your life according to the Scriptures, you're going to end up with wacky walls. Try this side. Anybody know anybody with wacky walls? Okay. You know why they're wacky walls? Because they're not following the plumb line. There are so many Christians right now, and I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not naming anybody. I'm not even thinking of anybody. But so many Christians that are not living plumbed according to the truth and what's happening is the world is beating the church down in so many places because we're not standing according to the truths of the Scripture. And so like uh, a block with a, a, a block, excuse me, a block wall being built without plumb. Let me show you a wall. Come on, media. Let me show you a wall. There's a, there's a plumb. That's a horizontal plumb. It's a horizontal plumb that comes off of, they strike the plumb line here, and when they find perfectly vertical, they strike a vertical 90-degree plumb line, 
on a wall. And that's how you build a straight wall. But if you don't use that, the next picture will show you what happens. You end up with that. Keep going. Let me show you another one. You end up with walls that crack and foundations of homes. How many foundations of Christian lives, I'm not putting anybody down, I'm not thinking anybody, but how many people live out of whack lives because they won't live according to plumb? And what ends up is walls leak, houses crumble, and things fail. And so in the process, it's like a block wall that is not plumb. And so if we understand the, how important it is for you and I, you as an individual, you might say, well, you know, I'm doing my best to live my Bible. You don't understand that. You're one of the stones in the wall. And you can go to a church that has a nice straight wall and while the, all the wall's going like this, you got a block sticking like this. Out of sync. Why do so many people not go to church anymore? You know why? Because churches are beginning to get back to plumb according to God's word. And while the churches are standing strong, people are living out of whack. And then you don't feel like you belong anymore. It's not that you don't belong anymore. It's just you're out of whack. Because the people around you are beginning to plumb their lives back into the Scriptures. And they're living according to God's Word. Now, in part one, I shared with you in, in the teaching in 1 Corinthians that there was a, an event where Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, came into a situation in the church in Corinth where there was a young man who was having an affair with his mother-in-law. You can read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He was having an affair with his mother-in-law. And so Paul calls it out. Paul says, no, this is not going to happen. This is not going to be. This will not, this is not in plumb, and so it's, he's not going to fit in the wall. And so Paul threw him out of the church because he wouldn't repent. He wouldn't repent, and he wouldn't stop doing what he was doing. And so Paul said, you don't fit in the wall, so you're out of the wall. Now, um, I shared with you that when this story was shared by a pastor in a church, it's a true story, he shared this story, and to his chagrin, most of the younger generation said, that's not right. He shouldn't have thrown him out of the church. I thought we're supposed to forgive. Well, we are, but you're also supposed to repent, and you're also supposed to change and get back into plumb, right? Well, he was shocked to find out that not only the younger generation felt that was too harsh, many of the older generation began to feel that. Because they felt, well, that's not right. It's, aren't we supposed to be forgiving? Absolutely. Aren't we supposed to be loving? Absolutely. Well, then why did they throw him out? Because he was a crooked block in the wall. Getting quiet. Now, we're not out to throw anybody out. We're not out to point anybody out. We're just out to say, if you go overt and public with your sin, this church ain't going to let it 
Now, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to shame you. We just want you to understand that it, what's at stake is the plumb line while the world is watching us invent our own plumb. The only thing the world actually respects is what threatens it. And that's a threat to the world system. Take that into politics and see how it works. Okay? And so in the process, we understand that in part one, I shared that whole issue. So many Christians are, here's the problem. Now, I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just calling it as it is because it's in the scriptures. So many Christians have moved away from plumb on the word, and now they don't plumb bob, they thumb bob. Let's see. That's close enough. No, no, close enough ain't good enough. Close enough means you missed. Come on. That's, 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 so tonight, I know, I know what's going to come out of this. People are going to say, you're harsh, you're judgmental, you're mean, you're... Sorry. And now, now I've got to be honest with you. I've got to apologize last week because uh, a number of times I said, I got so wound up in this whole thing, you know, <laughs> so fervent about it. I got wound up. I said, Somebody punch you in the mouth, okay? And so I apologize. Will you forgive me? Okay, let's move on. All right. So now, it's, uh, it's no secret that the American culture is out of plumb. Our culture is so out of plumb that they want to take down the Ten Commandments and have sought to do so since the 60s because they think the Ten Commandments don't relate to the world. They're wrong. And so in the process, every day our nation moves even farther and ever so slowly creeping away from what's right and moving to what man thinks is right rather than wrong. In the 1980s, there was a lawsuit to remove the Ten Commandments. That, those lawsuits have gone state after state after state. In some states, they may have removed it. I don't know. But I know the intention is, is to get away from the truth of the Scriptures because it tells you how you live your life. You don't get to just do anything you want to do. And yet we live in a culture where there is no right and there is no wrong. There is no right and there's no wrong. Just break windows, steal merchandise, walk into stores, go to Lowe's. We were at Lowe's like six months ago, and we said to one of the clerks there, not the clerk, but the, one of the guys helping, said, well, wait a minute, what, what do you mean you can't stop people at the door? No, no, we can't stop people at the door. Well, wait a minute, what happens if they go over there, we give them the, the, we go, they go over and they get a cart, you know those blue carts? And they take a brand new toilet and put it on the cart and a bunch of other items and they start walking past the checker and out the door. What will you do? Nothing. That's indicative of the culture. And you can watch it on Facebook. You can watch it on social media. They're breaking into stores, stealing what they want, doing what they want. You know why? Because they don't have a plumb line. The culture is so out of plumb with God's Word. And yet, because we stand by God's Word as plumb line, they say we're harsh and we're hard and we're mean. And so in the process, um, uh, uh, Solomon said this, there's nothing new under the sun. 
Solomon said this is an age-old problem. And uh, God has made it clear that there's something about how you and I live according to the scriptures and so how we live with integrity because it makes life so much, so much more valuable and viable. And still now there's this spirit in the world influencing the church and the church is not being influenced by the word. Many churches are closing because they've capitulated to the world. And so Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And he said, well, I'm going to build my church. And when I build it, I'm going to build it on my word. It's going to be plumbed, and the gates of hell will not hold her back. Do you know why hell is winning out in so many churches and in so many Christian lives with compromise? Because they're not plumbed. And I know this is a hard word, but the New Testament church mixed it up with the world. They took the scriptures into the world and said, listen, we love you. We're not being judgmental, but we're not going to be quiet. It's not that we're going to hate you. We don't hate you. We just love the word when we don't love the way you're acting. And so, oh, geez, this is so hard. You know, I'm really nicer than I sound, okay? Um, um but Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and he said, I'm going to build it on my rock, and I'm going I'm to carve the stones out, and the stones, if they're going to stay in the wall, they're going to be plumbed to the word. So you understand that Acts 17.6, it says this, and when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, these, these are they that have turned the world upside down. Upside down. In other words, they actually didn't turn the world upside down. They turned it right side up because they were affecting the culture. What's happening right now is the church in America is not, not impacting the culture the way it could. And the culture is actually impacting the church more than the church is impacting. Now, this is not a beatdown. It just means God sees your desire to live your life according to the measure of, of the Scriptures. And there can't be any compromise. And so, again, Acts 17, 6, And when they found them, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These men have turned the world upside down. They plumbed it. They were living clear lives. That weren't, they weren't judgmental. They weren't self-righteous. They just said, Young man, you going to have an affair with your mother-in-law? You will repent or you will be removed from the church. People go, that's too hard. But it's true. How do we get through that? So we get through that emotional crisis where we're afraid to stand for the truth, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. I'm not saying this is all easy. As a matter of fact, it's easier to not do this than it is to do this. See? And so in the 1960s, decades ago, it happened with the hippie movement. I, those of you who weren't around for that, but I was there for that, and so was Pastor Susan. And, uh, you know, Timothy Leary came out with tune in, uh, turn on, tune in, and tune out. And that brought on the hippie movement. And uh, it was in that hippie movement that the Jesus people movement exploded. 
and the Jesus people, the charismatic movement, there was an explosion. There was a revival because the culture was so out of plumb and so on the hippie movement. And then there was a revival. Well, guess what? We're back to out of plumb again, and I believe we're going back to a revival. God's people are going to stand up for the truth. See, I'm telling you, but so um, so many Christians live out of plumb, and it's not because you're a bad person. It's it's not because you're bad. We all do it. We all make mistakes. Isaiah 28, 16 says, Therefore, such says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone. Listen to this. A tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. In other words, God's building a new church in America. I really believe that. He's building a new church, and she's plumb. She's plumb. And she's plumb with people just like you and 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 like you. And millions of people that are getting no credit for the fact that nobody knows they're living their lives according to this. And you may think as you stand your and live your life according to the truth that nobody knows and nobody notices. It may be that nobody knows and nobody notices. But the one who knows is noticing. He knows when you don't cheat on your income tax. He knows when you're honest, you don't steal from your employer. He knows when you don't cheat and lie. He knows it. He knows when you don't have an affair, when you could. He knows, and he sees, and he marks it, and he's building a wall. He's building a church, and many no longer Read their Bibles is the problem. Because if you don't read your Bible, how are you going to know what plum is? People say, well, I have one. What point? What's it the culture's similarities out, are outright and, and antagonistic against Christianity. And it's exactly, exactly the same way it was in the book of Acts when we're going to read this very first sermon. In this series, we're going to look at four of the most influential, the scholars believe the four most influential sermons ever preached by anyone, even today. That doesn't negate some of the incredible teachers, the incredible teaching. It doesn't negate anybody else in that sense. But we no longer, no longer can allow ourselves to just go to church listen to a sermon, and then go home and never crack our Bibles open. Don't put your understanding and your plumb line on me or any other pastor. You can't put it on television preachers or anything else. And so in the process, the cultural similarities are, are, are exact with the New Testament. We're going to read here in just a minute real quick. Exact. With the exception, the only difference between us and the New Testament church and what's going on right now is we have technology. That's the only difference. The technology doesn't trump this. And I didn't mean politically trump. Are you with me? Okay, so 
Today we're going to read this gospel message. And listen, before we do, Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like a fire, God says, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. In other words, it's not easy when you open your Bible and you read something and you get convicted. It's not easy when you read something and say, Bob, don't do that. And Bob's doing it. It's like, no, go to the next page. <laughs> right? That, that, that you embrace the truth. The truth is hard. The truth is difficult because it, it's, it, it causes you to live circumspectly. And then the world says, oh, you're so self-righteous. You bunch of goody two-shoes. Well, the problem is they don't understand that we're not self-righteous. We're just doing our best to live as a, as a living stone, Paul said, Peter said, a living stone cut and measured by the truth of the Scriptures. And so um, i got to be careful here because I could take off on a huge rabbit trail, but um, the plumb line in the church. Go to Acts chapter 2, if you would, please. Now, can you, can you handle me reading part of this sermon? Poke whoever didn't say yes. Okay. Watch this. Ready? Acts chapter 2. Here comes the first message that shook the world and still does. Chapter 2 of Acts, verse 14. Now, they just had Pentecost. Peter, standing up, with no sermon notes, no preparation, no idea what's coming, says this. Then Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and he said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my words that these men are not drunken as you suppose, seeing that it be the third hour or 9 a.m., but this is, listen to what he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, God had already said this would happen, not only back 2,000 years ago in Pentecost, but today in Hemet. Listen to what he says. And it shall come to pass in the last days, here we are, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters, watch this generationally, your sons and your daughters, shall prophesy, and young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants, living stones, and on my handmaidens I will pour out in these days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I shall show wonders in heaven above and signs on earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Oh, my goodness, they got to be going, what is this guy taking? Okay, then the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, here it is, it's coming to pass right now, come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Now watch. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by your wicked hands and you've crucified and you've slain. Listen, he's, he's going for the gold right here. He's calling them out. 
the people that murdered Jesus when he gave his life. Watch what happens, verse 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it is not possible that he should be holden of it. For God, for David speaks concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, and I should not be moved. Therefore my heart rejoices, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rise in hope. Now listen to what he says. Stay with me. Because thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, neither will they suffer the Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways, and thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. You go on and you read that sermon. He drops an enormous truth bomb into the culture. And he says, here's plot. Here's how you live your life. Here's, here's how you live circumspectly. Here's how you, you treat your spouse. Here's, here's, here's how you no longer have affairs. Here's, here's how you, you no longer live together. Here's how you no longer cheat on your income tax. Here's how you no longer live by compromise. Here's how. Here's how. Here's how. Because the world's going to throw everything it has at you, and then it's going to invent more. And it's going to do everything it can because the world's intention is to get you out of plumb. Because if they can keep you on one foot or the other, you'll never be level. But feet firmly planted on a rock, not sand. Jesus said, he warned, he said, if you build your house on sand, you're a fool. Because sooner or later, the river's going to rise, and it's going to wash away your house. And how many Christian homes are being washed away? I'm not saying names. But people that are, that are, that are believers, that are compromising right now the truths of the Scriptures. They don't go to church anymore. They don't get involved. They don't witness. They don't tell people about Jesus. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about what's going on in America. America's winning. America's beating the church down. But I think the beatdown is about to stop. Because God's people are hearing a voice. I cannot be the only one preaching stuff like this. But you know that it's a time for us to step up to the plate. And so as we read this and we understand that Barna, Barna made this a shocking survey. Barna has been a surveyor of, of, of Christian churches for probably 40 years now, Susan, at least 40 years. Most credible statistician in terms of what's going on in the church and the world, but in particular in America. And he came out with statistics, and the statistics show that um, 100,000 churches closed in the 90s. 100,000 churches in the 90s closed. That's 520 churches a year. That's almost two churches a week. Closing. Shutting down. Not moving. No longer existing. And what he discovered was incredible, was that the megachurches started to explode. 
And hear what I'm going to say because I'm not against mega churches in any way, shape, or form. Not at all. There may be some goofy ones, but not most of them. And what he discovered was that the church in America was actually in decline. While the mega churches were growing, they were growing with transplant growth. People that were leaving the churches that closed and went to mega churches because they had big children's ministries. Again, I'm not against mega churches. They had McDonald's. They have all kinds of services that the average and average sized church in America can't provide. The problem is, is the church in America is going, not, again, nothing wrong with mega churches, but if you're going to a mega church and you're passing a Bible teaching church, because not all the mega churches are honest, just like not all the small churches are honest, you've got to find a church that's living the plumb line. And that will not compromise the truth. And again, don't go out of here and tell somebody I'm against mega churches. But Barna came out with the truth. The truth is Christians are pulling away and Christians are being silent and quiet and no longer every day get up and plumb their life to this. They don't plumb their career. They don't plumb their finances. They don't plumb their taxes. They don't plumb their bodies. They don't plumb their education. They don't plumb their children. They send their children to public schools when public schools doesn't even have a plumb line. And if you understand what weighs in the balance is reaching people that don't know Jesus, that, that they have no idea that there's a truth, there's a reality, that God so loved the world that he sent his plumb line into the world that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. That the church in America is, should be strong and I believe is coming back to her place of strength. Big or small has nothing to do with size. It has to do with integrity of the heart. And if we understand this, uh, the mega churches are, are, are great, but now we're seeing a trend where the smaller churches non-mega churches are beginning to plumb themselves again. And people are saying, I don't want sermons that are frothy. Don't teach me froth. Don't, don't pat me on the back and tell me I'm okay, you're okay, and everything's going to be okay. Tell me how to live my life. Teach the word circumspectly. Teach it so that I can raise my children and I can I can deal with my taxes and deal with my life and deal with my marriage and deal with my career and deal with society. I, I want to read something to you. There's a, uh, a young man that um, his name is Vody Bachman. Tell me, tell me that. Bachman. Vody, he, he, he wrote an incredible book. If you haven't read this book, go on Amazon and get it. You need to read this book. But he made an incredible statement and it shocked me. It just absolutely floored me. Listen to what he said. He said, the Acts account of the Bible also gives us an insight into the changeless spiritual condition that makes persecution the enduring reality in the Christian experience. There's no way you're going to avoid persecution. You're already experiencing it in like measure. 
They're pressing in on the church in every way they can. What they don't know is they're messing with God. But listen to what he says. The goal is to, their goal is to change the manner in which we as Christians, followers, uh, with the modern trends of the culture. He says, I believe the attitude we face are becoming more antagonistic. The world is becoming more antagonistic with the church because the church is capitulating the truth. Capitulate means turning away, won't stand for the truth. In other words, when we have a chance to stand up and say, that's wrong, and we will not compromise, we will not do that, we will not allow that, that young man, throw him out if he won't repent. Oh, that's too hard. But what's at stake, what, listen to what he says. I believe the attitude we face are becoming more antagonistic because of our efforts to capitulate. In many ways, the church has begun to look too much like the prevailing culture and is therefore unable to provide a viable alternative. In other words, no, we're no longer a threat to them. They just see this, go have church. You can have church. Go have church. Keep your tax status. Keep it. Go ahead. Have your church. Just don't mess with the culture. And don't tell the culture we can't turn down the Ten Commandments. Don't tell the culture that we can't live just the way we want. Don't stand up against the culture. Now listen to what he goes on to say. He says, Christianity in America has become more American than Christian. Hey, I swore my oath in the army. I swore my oath in the city. I stand as a pastor, swore my oath when I was ordained. I will, you will, we will stand for the truth. But listen to what he says again. Christianity in America has become uh, uh, more American than it is Christian. I'm not speaking of a decline in morality here, though there is an ample evidence that the lack of biblical morality, this is painful, in the modern American church has hampered our ability to communicate the gospel to a culture in a winning and winful way. How are we going to communicate Jesus to a culture when we capitulate to their threats? When we pull back and they say, you're too strong and you're too harsh, and, and people within the church say, you're too strong and you're too harsh. Bob, stop talking like this. Give us something that's simple and easy. No, simple and easy. We tried that. It didn't work. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to try something else. <clears throat> um, Peter said this, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was also chosen by God for honor. You've been chosen. God, God found you. You didn't find him. God hunted you down. You didn't hunt him down. You may have been thinking about God, but God cornered you. You didn't corner him. He hunted you down because he saw something inside of you. He saw something inside of you that wants the truth, just like me. And we're, we're poised for an incredible move. We, I watched the charismatic movement explode and flip the Jesus people movement and Timothy Leary upside down. I watched it. We are now in a condition that is way worse, exponentially worse than it was in the 60s. 
in our culture. And I believe we're up for an even greater move than the charismatic movement. The charismatic movement swept America and parts of the world. I believe we are getting ready for a global move of God, and I'm not going to be left out. Um, it's interesting that uh, while we're still, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, marketplace issues and, and Peter preached the very first gospel message 4,000 years ago. And as we read it, and Peter and John uh, integrated into the Jewish and, uh, and Roman culture, and they, they pressed through persecution. How many times, I, I forget how many times Peter ended up in jail. And Paul ended up in jail. Both Peter ended up being crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified right side up. And, and, and Caesar had to get rid of Paul because Paul's the one that wrote this to the church in Corinth. Caesar knew there's only one way to shut this thing down. Get rid of whoever's leading it. What they didn't know was that was just activating the people to say, we're going to go bold with Jesus. We're not going to be self-righteous and judgmental, but we are going to tell the truth and we're going to live it in love because that's what changes individual lives. And so, you know, I was in a church, and Susan will remember this, uh, while I was traveling and doing conferences on my book, Community for Conquer, um, probably for about 12 years I traveled. And I had an offer from, I got a call from a, from a church in, I think it was in Seattle. It was in Seattle. And uh, it was from a mainline denominational church, a Southern Baptist church. And I was traveling and I was teaching at Fuller on spiritual warfare and how spiritual warfare can be a tool, not the only tool, but a tool to evangelism. And I get a call from a Southern Baptist pastor in Seattle. And he said, hi, this is my name, so-and-so. This is the church I pastored, Southern Baptist Church, and I want to know if you'd come and do your do do one of the spiritual warfare conferences here. And I said, you know, I can't do the whole conference, but I can give you a day. If you can get me in on Friday night and out on Saturday night, I will give you as much as I can. But you got to understand, this is about spiritual warfare. He goes, I know. I know. I've listened to some of the tapes. I know. I said, if you're game, I'm game. He said, well, what does it cost? And I said, nothing. I don't charge anything. I, I don't want anything. The only thing I ask you to do is you don't make me walk, okay? You fly me there, and uh, you put me in a room for, for one week. That's all. Okay. So I get there, and uh, the session opens in the morning, and I forget what time it was, 8 or 9 or something like that. And there was a bunch of Southern Baptist pastors from the region. I thought it was going to be his congregation, Southern Baptist pastors. And, um, and the Southern Baptist pastors are way more progressive than most people think. I didn't know at the time. And so I started out in the first session. I got to the break. And uh, we got to the break, and it was a potty break. And the pastor comes up to me before any of the other pastors could get to me to ask questions. And he said, come please with me now to my office. It's important. And I said, but I got guys, he goes, I, I need you to do this, okay? You're in charge. So I go back and sit down in front of his desk, and on the top of his desk, 
he has the church financial ledger. And he opens it up in front of me. And I looked at it. I knew exactly what it was. And I, I stood up. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. This is not about money. I don't want any money. He goes, no, 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 please hear me out. Please hear me out. We are in such financial distress as a church that within the next 30 days, we're going to close this church. And I said, why are you saying that? Why are you telling me that? And he said, because while we were out there, as a Southern Baptist, I think I heard God. And he said, I think I heard the Lord say, you know the answer. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, I didn't come here to do a financial seminar, okay? Um, but the Lord said, go look. And the Lord told me where to look. So I said, can I look at your ledger? He said, absolutely. He turns around. I scooted up to the desk. I went right down the ledger, line items, and I went right down to the missionary budget. And I put my finger on it, and I looked at him, and I said, how much a month do you need to keep your church open? And he gave me a figure. I forget what it was. And I said, I've got my finger on the money. It's your missionary budget. You can save this church if you will call your missionary and tell them you're going to be closing in 30 days anyway. And he looked at me and he said, if I do that, what's going to happen? I said, this is the only opportunity you have to turn this around. Call your missionaries. And if they're really, and you know what? I, I said, the only thing I ask of you is you do not tell anybody I told you this until I'm home. I don't want I don't want your board hunting me down, okay, and burying me someplace in Seattle, okay? And so I went home. I, I totally forgot all about it. I did the conference. It was a great conference. Had a great time. Just precious people. And I don't know, maybe a year later, probably a year later, I get a call from this pastor. And I said, brother, how are you doing? What, what happened? He said, I got to call you and tell you that I called the board together, and I said, this is what you suggested. And he said, I was shocked, but they said, we're going to have to call the missionaries anyways, so why don't we just make the call right now? And I said, what happened? I, he said, we called our missionaries, contacted them, and said, we can't support you anymore. We're sorry. We, can't, we don't even have the money to bring you home. And he said, to a T, every single one of the missionaries, they responded, we're here because the Lord sent us here, not you. And we'll do God's work, and God will take care of us. I said, that is amazing. That's incredible. That's not, not a shock, because that's the way missionaries think. They're out for the ministry, not the money. And I said, so how are they doing? He said, they are all thriving. All the missionaries are thriving. I said, how's the church doing? He said, it's exploded. We are growing. Other churches and pastors in the denomination that were struggling, they started to follow the pattern. We have a move of God in this church and in our community. Our church is growing. Other churches are growing. And God is doing what he wants to do. Why? 
because that man took the plumb line of truth into his life and it pointed to the hardest thing he could do. And he did it in faith. And God turned it around. I'm prophesying to you right now, and I'm telling you what God did in Seattle, he's going to do in here. He's going to do it. And so if you understand that, in this whole process, everything we do about living our lives according to the plumb line and living your life according to the word, that you understand that this is real, this is true. This will take care of your marriage. It'll take care of your finances. It'll take care of your children. It'll take care of your education. It'll take care of your nation. It'll take care of... There is no situation life can throw at you that this doesn't have answers for. Not a single one. And so when the church in America gets back to the place where she starts calling out young men having an affair, as an example only, young men having an affair with his mother-in-law, the church in America is going dead. And the world, I guarantee you, the world and many Christians, you know what they're going to say? You're too judgmental. You're too self-righteous. You're mean. You're prudes. You don't love people. And in the process, the truth is exactly the opposite. And we're going to live that line. And I'm telling you, brothers, Listen, we are, we are bringing in no cost to you. If you, can't, if you can't afford it, I'll pay your $20. But brothers, I'm asking you, you have an opportunity. You don't have, most of you, I'm not going to say all of you, don't have anything more important than you not being here this Saturday. Because God is gathering a bunch of plumb line men together. And we're going to shake this community up for the kingdom of God. But the question I have to ask is, are you personally living plumb? Are you living your life according to the scripture? Is there some place in your life where you're compromising? It's your morals or ethics. Having an affair, even if it's not physical. Having an emotional affair with somebody being tempted by what's going on in the culture, being afraid to stand up for truth. You have an opportunity right here, right now, today to do what that Baptist church did. Turn your life around for the kingdom. Give your life to Jesus. Say, well, wait a minute. I gave my life to Jesus. Well, maybe it's time for you to give it back to Jesus. And only you know that. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask anything. I'm just going to ask you to hear what I say. Where is your life on the plumb in the process? We will not compromise. We will not flinch. We can't be bought, bribed, or threatened to pull away from the truth. Because we understand, as they understood in Acts, and it was about souls being saved, lives being changed, people being healed and delivered. It's not about politics, because politics can't fix the problem now. It's about Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know where you're going when you die? Do you know that, that when that day comes, 
I'm thankful that Susan shared, but I know that was hard for her to share about her, about her mother. But you know, the, the, the grace we had was we knew where she was going. And no matter how much pain, no matter what she went through, we knew. I know where she's at right now. I, I, she's looking down right now, probably thinking, taking notes. <laughs> Hi, Margaret. But the reality is, is you have a chance. I want to I ask you one last thing before I let you go, because I've gone a little bit over time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Please, nobody look at me. I just want to ask you to do this. If you feel God is convicting you to move back to plumb in your life, it's not that you're a bad person. It's just that you're going to get back to reading your Bible on a regular basis. And you're not going to wait and lean on a sermon from a pastor. You're not going to lean on online messages. Not that none of that's good. That's, it's all good. But you're going to get back to square with God. And if that's you, God gives you the grace and the mercy. I'm not going to ask you to respond. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't even want you to look up. I just want to give you 30 seconds to talk to Jesus and tell him that you're ready and willing to hear him. The clock is ticking. 30 seconds to go. applaud you. I'm proud to be a part of this congregation and I'm looking forward to an experience in our community with Jesus. If you agree, give him a praise. Would you stand? Get a hold of somebody?